morning, everybody. I think this morning may make things a little different for you, for the better, I hope. One of the things that you um, find out when you're ministering in any capacity, whether you're teaching Sunday school or preaching or serving communion or whatever you're doing is you often learn more just by the attention you apply to it um, about whatever you're teaching than the people that are receiving that teaching. And that's certainly been the case for me this week. And I'll get into that a little bit more. This morning, I want to talk about this idea of restoration. And I love using that word because it has two purposes for this morning. First is in our passage in Luke 13, verses 10 through 21. We're going to look at Jesus. Thank you for the light right there. I appreciate that. We're going <laughs> to, old eyes. Um, we're going to um, be looking at Jesus trying to restore, so actually not trying, he does restore people on a Sabbath, a person in particular on the Sabbath. But also you're sitting in a restoration church, which means we're an independent Christian church that is uh, kind of follows the ideas. Well, it doesn't kind of. We do follow the ideas of the restoration movement, which is just simply put to speak uh, where the Bible speaks, that we want to, we want to base everything that we do out of the Bible and not out of ritual or tradition, though some of that stuff will come up just as another way that we're honoring our Lord. But what we try and do in a restoration church is just restore people to their God-given identity in Christ. And so it's a fun title for me this morning and, frankly, something I needed to learn um, this week uh, as well. So it's been fun to study it. You know, as I was studying for this this week, a good friend of mine pointed out uh, an interesting fact. It really has rocked my world kind of all week. And it explains a lot of things for me. One of the many reasons I like hanging around with this person. But she told me that, you know, there was a time back in the day where culture and society kind of revolved around church, right? And we had Sundays as a Sabbath. And we knew culturally that we weren't going to be doing a whole lot of stuff that day. In fact, it might be kind of taboo to do stuff on that day. Um, And that the day was for church and for family and for rest. I'm adding a few of my own thoughts as I've heard hers over and over in my head. And I I just started thinking, like, what would a Sabbath look like in those days? Because I unfortunately have not been around in those days because it's been so far removed from society today. I imagine, you know, maybe sharing picnics and dinners with family and friends. I had this vision of just a lot of people down swimming at a lake, you know, just enjoying the day and ending the day satisfied and and happy for a day well spent with a God who loves us. A day that would bring us rest and restoration. But what this friend of mine pointed out is that as church or as society has moved away from church, then what has happened is there is now not really a day of rest, that we've added another day of work. And so we're more frenzied and we've taken out the one day that God has asked us to actually just rest. And so that's been that's been hard. That's been hard. And it's made this, this whole living of life even more difficult. 
and our pace has just gotten out of control. And so we operate more out of a desire, uh, or I'm sorry, more of a lifestyle of stress and frantic movement as than we do out of a, a place, a lifestyle of a day that we actually rested and rejuvenated ourselves for the coming week. And you see this in scripture too, and I'll talk about this in a minute. This isn't something new. So before we dive into the Luke passage today, I just thought I would teach you a little bit on Sabbath after I did more studying. Now, I was raised in a semi-Jewish household. I'm Jewish by blood. Um, my family uh, fled Russia in front of Hitler and um, because we were Jews. And so that still hearkens to me. I still have the Jewish traditions um, in my heart. My mother didn't follow it that well. Um, and she followed many things, but um, she did take us to synagogue. We did observe Hanukkah. There's just a, she, she kind of paved the way maybe for a beginning of my faith. But as I studied through the Sabbath, I realized that, you know, the Sabbath first occurs at the very beginning of the Bible. When you go to Genesis 2, the very, uh, the, the very first three verses here in Genesis 2, it says, The heavens and the earth were completed in all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. And then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, made it holy, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. So this day he intended a seventh day, and it's why we have church on Sunday, which we in the Christian church consider the Sabbath. In the Jewish synagogue, it's considered Saturdays. Um, but regardless, we have chosen a day of rest to begin our week. And in that, he also not only created it, but he blessed it and he made it holy. And he rested from his work and so we got to ask ourselves all the time of course well if god had to rest <laughs> maybe we should too the the it's fun the the sabbath as a sabbath as the jews um, celebrate it really doesn't come much into effect at least in scripture until exodus 20 where we have the ten commandments so let me read exodus 20 I think it is, uh, yeah, starting in verse 8. There's three, four verses here. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So that's what God said it in Genesis 2. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God, and in it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant or your cattle or your sojourner, who stays with you, so a traveler who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So that is the, the uh, fourth commandment there of the Ten Commandment lists. And it, it has a lot of specific things that are really interested in here. It's interesting to me in here when I think about this from my Jewish perspective and my Christian perspective. And I, I notice like three pretty major things here. Uh, the first is that this is the longest explanation of any commandment. 
There's ten commandments here, and God gives the Sabbath, the day of rest, four full verses. You would think he'd give that to honor your mother and your father. Or, you know, uh, don't make idols before God and only worship God. That should definitely be the longest description. It's actually the shortest. But the longest description in a, in a Ten Commandment, one of the Ten Commandments we have, is this one of rest. It's important. The second thing I notice is it comes after the three commandments not to put anything ahead of God. Of God. Um, and so it's interesting that when the commandments were laid out, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but the first uh, three, you could argue the fourth, the Sabbath, are commandments that you observe for your worship of God. And then the last six are commandments we're supposed to do towards each other, um, towards people, including ourselves. So there's actually a separation there. But the, the fourth commandment, the Sabbath, acts as an intermediary commandment. So the first commandment is, is you, uh, you shall have no other gods before me. The second one is you don't make any idols. And the third one is don't worship any idols any, or anything as well, right? And that's when the fourth commandment of Sabbath comes in. It's, it's this transition between focus on God and then don't do this to people <laughs> or do this as a person, right? And so for me, that fourth transitionary commandment is almost like the place where God meets man. And that would make sense as a Jewish Sabbath keeper because, and I would argue obviously as a Christian Sabbath keeper as well, because that's where we're commanded to stop, to rest from our toils and to pay attention to God, spend the day paying attention to God. And so you're going to draw closer to him, and in that, he's going to draw closer to you. And so it becomes like this, this transitory commandment where God meets you, where he meets me, where he meets us. And those are the things that I noticed right away from the placement and the wording of the scripture of the Sabbath. But there's all kinds of other things throughout the Bible, too. I did a Sabbath search and just searched the word Sabbath. If you don't ever do this, I'd really encourage you to uh, just do, uh, you can get a concordance online or just Bible Gateway or I use Bible study tools. But you can go on there and just enter a word and hit enter and it'll search the entire Bible in like a split second and give you all the times that that occurs in the Bible. It's a little pastor trick. Um, and it's one of the things I occasionally do, and I did it with the Sabbath. And some of the things I noticed in there is that we're supposed to keep it holy. You know, when I was a youth pastor, I used to say to the, I used to suck them in like this, like, okay, if your mom wants you to clean your room on Sunday, just tell her you can't because it's the Sabbath. Or if your mom wants to do di you to do dishes on Sunday, just tell her, Mom, I would love to do that, but I can't. I'm, uh, I, it's the Sabbath. And they'd be all like, yeah, yeah, this is good. Finally, something I can use out of youth group. And then I would say, oh, oh, but don't forget the second half. You also have to keep it holy. And then, you know, there's this pause like, oh, I think we just stepped in it. And, um, and then I would tell them, so how, you know, I would let them answer. How would you keep a, 
how would you keep a day holy? How would you keep the Sabbath day holy? Well, they would have to answer, go to church or read my Bible or pray or these kinds of things. It's not just a do one or the other. It's not just a day for you to goof off. It's a day to meet God. It's a day that God and you meet. And that's what makes it holy. And, ke- and you have to keep it holy. So, and over and over in the Bible, it talks about keeping this day holy. I thought it was interesting when the, when the Jews were wandering the desert, you know, they would, uh, when they started starving because they couldn't find enough game for how many people there were, God started raining manna like a bread-like substance down. But they could only collect enough manna for that day because it, it was a way for the Jews to be able to express a reliance on God. They didn't have any food for the next day. So they better hope that, they, that God's going to provide for them. Maybe they should ask him for that. And actually, if you tried to collect too much manna to have breakfast the next morning out of yesterday's manna, you'd grab the jar and it'd be filled with worms and maggots. Um, uh, it's pretty clear there. But God did say on the day before the Sabbath, collect enough for the next day because I don't want you having to even go out and work. I just want you to be able to rest. And You're wandering the desert here. It's pretty hard. Um, We are wandering the deserts of our lives out here sometimes. It's pretty hard. And God just said, just collect enough for tomorrow too, but this is the only day every week you can do that. And so they did, and they ate and rested on the Sabbath. There's even a Sabbath for the land. It's interesting. Um, where he asks, he commands his people uh, to let the fields lie fallow um, for a year. And modern farmers, it's interesting, I, I have to drive through Sac on my way to Oregon a lot, or we used to live up in there, and it's all fields, right? Rice fields and farmland and stuff. And you, you can see that they adopt that pattern in today's world because you'll have a huge field just filled with rice, I mean, filled with rice. And then the next year, they'll, they'll not use that field. It'll just go to weeds. And I remember driving over there going, man, that seems like a, a waste of time. I mean, it's a lot of work. Once you got a field in the shape you wanted it, wouldn't you want to keep it there? But that's what farmers often do, too, is they'll, they'll allow their um, fields to go fallow. Um, and then the, at the prep for the next year, they will just churn whatever grew in that field over and over and over, and it just becomes compost for the field. And they find that their production of the field is much higher. So even for the land, it needs rest. It also says over and over and over again, quite clearly, that we have to strictly observe it. Not just casually, but strictly. Which in my mind, as I've experienced this morning on a Sabbath, means we have to kind of go out of our way to observe this. There's things to do, and I'm going to talk about that actually in just a few minutes. But it even says that uh, when the temple was being built, that they had to take a Sabbath, take a break from building the holy temple. And we're encouraged to celebrate it like uh, as a weekly festival. You know, the Jews have, I think it's 12, I don't really follow them as well as I should, but the Jews have these festivals, yearly festivals that are very important. And there's actually a passage in the Bible that talks about the Sabbath as a weekly festival. Like, it's not a somber day. It's a day to be gloriously happy as you're being rested and you're being restored in your relationship to God and just in your health, right, through the Sabbath itself. 
And um, it goes for even further and says, actually, you should punish the people who don't observe it. Now, that's where the, uh, the faith of, of Christianity kind of starts to change things. We're not necessarily here, actually, we're not here to be punishing people. Rather, we would take the approach of Jesus, as we're going to read in a few minutes, and we're going to, he- to encourage people to heal on the Sabbath by taking one. So it's more of an encouragement rather than a punishment, right? But it's still there. Um, the priests, which is where I find myself, not really, but it's the closest I can as a pastor, are to work the Sabbaths for, for the sacrifice of other people that they bring in. So in, in the temple, you would burn a sacrifice as a priest. Usually it was six lambs and one ewe. Uh, or I'm sorry, six lambs and one, it is a ewe. Six lambs and one ram. And so the powerful animal is the one that's being sacrificed on the Sabbath. And that's interesting, too, if you just think about everything I've just said. And you could offer other things if you weren't able to offer that. But there was a lot of sheep and ram being sacrificed that day, right? And so the priests were commanded to work that and take in people's sacrifice. I was thinking, like, I know I'm not a priest. I don't want to be identified as a priest. I hardly want to be identified as a pastor. I'm just an elder here that happens to get paid. Um, But what would that mean for me? Because as a pastor, it's always been a quandary. Sunday can't be my day of rest. It's arguably my hardest day. (laughs) But I started thinking about this is a preparation as the Jews prepared the temple for you to come in and bring your sacrifice of worship, your sacrifice of giving, what your sacrifice of serving. And so I'm here to help encourage that to happen and to teach because the priests taught on the Sabbath, Jesus in particular, which is interesting if you think about it from a Jewish perspective. Why was Jesus, including the passage we'll read today, always allowed to preach and teach on the Sabbath if he was teaching and preaching something new? It's because he wasn't. Also, Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, And then one thing that I had lost sight of, but I remembered while I was studying this week is, you know, the the day of Passover was the last meal. And then you you had Jesus arrested and betrayed and crucified, right? That's Good Friday, Good Friday. And then there's this day afterwards that I always call the day the earth stood still. And I still feel that sometimes between between Good Friday and Easter when he rose again, when he resurrected. That Saturday was a, was, would have been a Sabbath. It would have been a day of rest. You think Jesus needed rest after the previous day, his crucifixion? Yeah, I think he did. I would feel heretical saying that if I hadn't read Genesis 2-2 where God's saying he had to rest. So Jesus is God, so he most surely that was the deepest rest he probably ever got. And so even that day, that the holiest of weekends, you could argue, it was so important to observe the Sabbath. They were concerned Nicodemus offered his tomb so that Jesus could be pulled down and buried on the, on the Friday, if you will, after his crucifixion, because they had to get it all done before the next day. They couldn't do it the next day. The Romans wanted to leave them up. They loved to, to leave crucified people up. 
Sometimes they'd coat them in, in pitch and tar and they'd light them on fire for a street lamp at night. That's all through history, especially when Nero was Caesar. But they were begging to bring Jesus down off the cross quickly. And it's clear when you read those scriptures, and we will someday again, um, that he was being, they were concerned to get him down off the cross and get him buried before the Sabbath because they needed to keep that holy. So we can see that the Sabbath is really, really extremely important to God and extremely important that we observe it. So the question is, do we? Because I don't, and I would suspect you don't regularly. And that, as my good friend pointed out this week, is part of the problem with the world today, that we're not taking a day of rest and restoration. You know, I got up this morning, and um, Kathy and I were talking uh, a little bit over the last couple of days about this idea of Sabbath and maybe what we could do to start changing our lifestyle a little bit. Um, usually it's, it's a lazy day for me, but, you know, that's not necessarily keeping it holy. And when I got up this morning, I immediately, my routine is to get a cup of coffee and, and just get updated, go through my phone and check Facebook and the news and maybe one of my little cameras I have outside. I saw we got a coyote in the backyard last last night well that was cool you know these kinds of things and eventually i'll get over to my bible study this church is reading through the new testament in 2021 we're getting close we're getting so close less than 100 days left and this morning i got up and i grabbed my phone and went to go there phone in one hand finger in the other and then i felt that prod like this is the sabbath remember and i was like oh and so I just went right to my Bible, made sure I was a little more awake first, and then went to my Bible. It was a long passage today, guys, if you've read it already. I was like, whew, Paul really likes, to, he likes to write more than I do. Um, and I read through that, and then I was like, all right, whoa, what am I going to do now? Normally, this is like a 45-minute process. And that was like 15 minutes. <laughs> well, okay, I got more time. I'll just rest. And I rested a little bit, and then I just felt called to get up and, and get on. But as I get, got up and went out of our bedroom, in the hallway is a, is a laundry basket filled with my dirty clothes. And I'm like, oh, I should just switch out the laundry really quick. And I'm like, well, that's work on the Sabbath. This is really an interesting thing. Now, we could do laundry or whatever you want. Um, but, hon, I'm encouraging you, no laundry today. Don't worry about it. Uh, or me. But I, I just thought, wow, this really is. Maybe I should be like the Jews. Maybe I could argue like Christians and prepare yesterday. Maybe instead of being lazy part of the day. Now, I hold, held my grandson for a good portion of the day. That was fair. But I came home. Maybe I should have been cycling laundry through and folding it while I was watching TV or sitting around, right? And then I went out and I'm like, oh, the dishwasher, I got to run that. And then I can empty the dishes today, this afternoon when we get back. Oh, man, dang it. And it was that process all morning. Now, these are silly little things. If you feel called to run your dishes or do your laundry today, you can do that. But if you want it out, tell them Pastor Scott said, not today. All right, not today. But I, but I even thought, like, do we have groceries for this afternoon? You know, all, it's just a constant. And I'm realizing it's like fasting. I don't know if you've ever done a multi-day prayer and fast. But it, the idea of that, I think, is the same thing that the Sabbath was doing to me this morning, which is you stumble across things all the time, in that case, food, in this case, tasks. And 
you go, and it makes you think like, oh, that's right, I'm, I'm fasting for God, or I'm, I'm trying to keep a Sabbath holy, and I'm really being shown that I'm out of step. And then what will I do with the rest of the day today? Because not only just a day of rest and, and restoration, but I'm trying to keep it holy, right? Otherwise, I'm just one of the teens from my old youth group. Mom, can't do dishes, sorry. <laughs> um, you know, I have to also keep it holy, right? And so it was just interesting. I, I found myself at one point in my office, and, and um, I needed to, uh, I just wanted to review the sermon, which is part of my Sabbath for the day as a, as a pastor. But I knew I had PowerPoint too, and I just felt called to worship. So I literally just pulled up my PowerPoint and set it to run so I could listen to the three songs we listened to this morning. If you're in our, on our online campus this morning, I do want to apologize. Facebook has been getting stricter and stricter and locking us up more and more over the music. And so we've had to go this morning to starting the live stream as I come up. So you just get the boring part of the morning. Um, but if you're in person, you get to hear the worship music and, and, and welcome and all of that. I, I'm so sorry for my online campus people, but um, that's just the way the media is restricting us right now. So I pulled up my laptop and pulled up the three songs that, are, uh, that we played today. If you're either here or on the online campus and want to link to those three songs, actually, just uh, email or text me. Now, if you email me, I'm not opening my email today. But if you text me, I might glance at my phone so you could just say worship songs and I'll be like, oh, I'm helping someone worship today. That's my priestly duty and I'll do it, okay? So you might want to text me. Um, but anyway, uh, I did that. I opened my laptop and I just let myself go. And I had a cup of coffee. I'm looking out the window and just listening to the songs and paying attention to what the words were saying. And, and I had a beautiful moment with the Lord. Um, and so these are the things that I am encountering, even, even as a pastor, that I'm realizing I'm just out of step with the Sabbath. And that may be why I've been out of step in general uh, with health and other issues lately. And so I'm determined, at least today, to try and observe it, and I hope into the future. And I encourage you to join me on the journey, too. All right, so that's the Sabbath. So let's go over to Luke, our passage for today. And I'm just going to read through Luke uh, 13, verses 10 through 17. Again, in a Restoration Church, I hope you will always hear a lot of Scripture being just directly read out of the Bible, um, because that's what we believe in. So let me do that. Uh, Luke 13, verse 10. Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And there was a woman who for 18 years had a sickness caused by a spirit, and she was bent double and could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you're freed from your sickness. And Jesus laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made erect again and began glorifying God. But the synagogue official, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, began saying to the crowd in response, There are six days in which work should be done. So come during them and get healed, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead him away to water him? And this woman, a daughter of Abraham, 
as she is, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, should she not have been released from this bond on the Sabbath day, day of healing, day of holiness? And as Jesus said this, all of his opponents were humiliated and the entire crowd was rejoicing over all the glorious things done by him. Now you got to, I just want to, I want to put myself in, in the, in the synagogue officials place here. They had every right to be frustrated and angry at Jesus, actually, because in their minds, he was violating the Sabbath. He was doing something on the Sabbath when he sh they just asked him to come teach, which is strange that they would ask him to come teach and then get, you know, angry. But, but he was violating the Sabbath. The Sabbath has to be strictly observed. If people are always violating, if a person's always violating it, that person should be disciplined or killed even, right? These things are in Scripture, in the, in the Hebrew Bible, in the, what we call the Old Testament. And we're not going to betray God's word, nor am I here this morning as a restoration pastor. But what Jesus was trying to get them to see is, look, if the Sabbath really is for rest and restoration, try and see this day from the perspective of this woman. Do you think she has ever felt more restored in her entire life than today? This is keeping the Sabbath holy. Now, they weren't accepting him as the son of God, and so that, that was understandable, too. As I read through the passage, there's a couple of things that just really interest me. First off is, is that this word freed, when he says in verse 12, woman, you're freed from your sickness. This is the Greek apoluo, um, to free, to release, to pardon, or to forgive. It's really interesting. So it still has that kind of, um, you know, the Jewish people believed that uh, someone that was sick or what have either was either possessed by a demon or an evil spirit or was paying for some sins of either them or their fathers, right? And so it still has kind of that echo of that, which is interesting. But more importantly, you know, remember the setting. Jesus is basically doing what I'm doing right now. He was teaching in the synagogue. I'm, I'm teaching in church, right? And a woman comes by and she's bent over. And instead of going on and preaching, he stops. Now remember, Luke is always pointing out the importance of women. He's, he, it's clear in his gospel that he has a point to be made here that Jesus felt very highly of women. So he's not healing a man in his, infirm, in his infirmity. So he, he actually calls out to this woman to come over. She doesn't even ask. That is not on her mind. She doesn't have to. And Jesus calls out to her to heal her, and he even places his physical hand on her. What if she was unclean? Jesus clearly, well, he would have known, but clearly he didn't care. He just wanted her healed. He wanted her restored. And so he did what he did. And he tried to point that out to the officials, but they were just not having any of it. And I can't blame them. That was the point of Jesus, actually, is that the Jews, and sometimes us, got so wrapped up into the rules that they forgot about the meaning behind the rules. 
The rules were just gentle guidelines, sometimes not so gentle. But the meaning behind the rules is what is important. God says in those Ten Commandments, remember, I'm, you worship only me. You don't worship anything else. And worship, by the way, in today's world could be putting anything above the importance of God. Could be the sports teams. Well, church is fine, but it's not a big deal. I'll go do sports. I'm not bagging on sports. But it is interesting that our culture has shifted kids' sports to Sundays. Um, I can do some work. I can do some chores. That's me. That's what I fall into all the time. Um, it's okay, but I, I'm putting that before God. And that's what the Jews were concerned about. That's why they had all these rules. You can only walk, I think you could only walk one mile max during the whole day. You couldn't cook, couldn't light a fire. You couldn't clean. You, could, you know, they had all these rules. Just, you know, it's the Jewish people. They had a lot of rules. But they were all well-intentioned. They were trying to follow God. When he says, you will not use my, my name in vain, the Jewish people to this day, when they're emailing or writing or whatever, it's G underscore D. They don't use the word God because they don't want to risk that maybe they used his name in vain in that email. These are important things to them. And it shows really a lot of uh, respect for God. And I want to argue that our culture has lost that. Church, as in a, a gathering of people, has just lost its importance to our culture over everything else. Or being, the irony for me as a pastor, and, I know, and knowing all of the families pretty much in our church pretty well, the irony is some of the most stressed out families in our church are the ones that are almost never here. And I, or are doing things immediately after they leave, you know, a lot of, lot of things that aren't bringing them rest. So you can do a lot of things that bring you rest. But our culture, as my friend pointed out this week, has turned Sundays into another work day. And so there's no rest and restoration or there's very little. God says we need a whole day. A whole day. Takes us that long to unwind. You ever go on vacation from your job and it takes like three, four, maybe even five days before you've actually started to relax? <laughs> it's kind of that idea. We need a full day to just like, whoo, because we're taking this day every week, so we don't need four or five days. I know my Saturday next week coming up is going to look a little different because I'm going to prepare. That's what I noticed on my Sabbath this morning. I'm going to prepare a little better for my Sabbath. But then in these following passages of Luke, in Luke uh, chapter 13, in 18 through 21, he goes right on into two parables, which are really interesting, like, almost, Robbie, like, what would we, uh, what would, why would he go from the importance of the Sabbath to these two parables? So let me read them to you. So Jesus was saying, what is the kingdom of God like, and to what shall I compare it? It's like a mustard seed which a man took and threw into his garden and it grew and became a tree and the birds of the air nested in its branches. Like here I have on the, on the field. This is a great example actually I found. So a lot of times this is a vineyard that's being left fallow for a year and they're growing ironically mustard in it. The, apparently farmers have found that mustard is one of the plants that's fantastic to grow when they're resting the field because when they churn it back into the ground in the next fall, it has a ton of nutrients for the soil. 
So that's interesting. And then verse 20, again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It's like leaven, which a woman took and hid in three pecks, which is about 40, um, four measures, it's about a gallon of, le- of flour until it was all leavened. So how does this have anything to do with the Sabbath? Well, here's what I think it has to do. And here's, and it's really my friend that, that talked to me this week that really expressed what it has to do. Because see, what this is, is it's comparing the kingdom of God to like leaven, which I learned this week is more like soda, baking soda and baking powder than it is yeast. Well, that was interesting. I don't know why it's interesting, but I find that interesting as a guy who likes to bake. Um, But, you know, it's still rising, allowing things to rise and grow. And the mustard plant that just goes crazy, right? And happens to look beautiful and nurture the ground when it's it's fully grown and then tilled under. But I think what he's trying to say is that when we honor the Sabbath and we become a people that that are more rested and restored every week by God, that will stick out in a world gone crazy. Now, to be fair, it's not clear if he taught these two parables right after um, the previous verses. Uh, Matthew, I think, uses it further in his gospel. But Luke remembers it attached to his Sabbath talk. And so for some reason, Luke has seen the growing of the kingdom of God attached to the Sabbath, the day of rest. And so when I thought about that, here's what I was thinking. You know, as we give up the Sabbath, even when we come to church and then head back out, we're becoming more and more indistinguishable from unbelievers, people without the faith in Christ, even on Sundays. And when our friends, when our family and coworkers see that we place more value, or at least equal value, on sports, on work, on other things that we do on the Sabbath, then God, in a day of holy rest and restoration, then we're just, just like them. There's no difference. Now, Christianity isn't a faith designed to, to be great just for us. It's designed to be a faith to worship the one true God, right? But for those who don't believe in the one true God, it's pretty hard to say, you know, this is really great. Look what it's done to my life. When your life isn't any better or less frantic or less hectic or whatever than the person you're talking to. Oh, yeah, you seem really hec- You seem really holy. You have to get up early on Sundays. You're stressed out with the kids, getting them in. Um, and then you come home and then whatever goes on after that. It, it sounds to me like you're putting more work in on a Sunday rather than resting, right? There are other things that are important too. There's nothing wrong with sports, obviously. There's nothing wrong with work, obviously. But it should be the exception and not the rule. I remember when our kids were young, um, that's when they started making the transition. So I I coached, I helped coach soccer, not coach, uh, referee soccer for a season, just one, um, and, uh, and our kids were involved in sports. But as they grew up, um, we really found from that experience when they were starting to do 
uh, soccer on Sundays and we didn't like it. They'd made the change and we're like, oh, this is, it's interfering. We discouraged our kids from playing sport. Well, we didn't discourage them, but we said, hey, you, you know, you're gonna have to make a decision. This will really interfere with your church time and worshiping God. And maybe it would be better to do something else or to find something you can get involved in on a different day. And they didn't always like it, but it was important. I, I do think it's important for us as Christians to set the Sabbath aside in such a way that Christian people wonder why, or I'm sorry, unbelievers wonder why we do it. Because I think that's important. You know, I, you know uh, my extended family sometimes will meet on Sundays. It's a convenient day for them, but they've grown over the years to understand that I'm a pastor and I can't make it till like one in the afternoon. <laughs> so don't schedule something for 1130, you know, or whatever. And it, it was hard. It was hard. I want to honor them. I love them. And it, it, it's a conflict. But I, I had to put that as a priority in front of them. And they came to understand it and appreciate it. And it's, it's created some interesting discussions. When your friend asks you why your boy isn't, isn't in the uh, Little League or... Why won't you guys, you know, come and do this on, uh, have brunch on Sunday or what have you? Um, when you can say, hey, can we do brunch or can we do lunch or an early dinner instead because I have church on Sunday? That just becomes an automatic witness that we're losing. I also think on top of that, there's little to no difference in the hectic, unrested, strung out unbeliever and Christian because we're all that right now. We're all crazy. Busy, frantic, stressed. Some of you probably aren't. You're wiser than me. But, but we all are. Life is crazy. And so what, what advantage are you showing to your unbelieving friends and family? You're more strung out. Oh, I can't do that. I've got this servant at the church this day. And then we're doing a, a picnic afterwards and yeah and i'm doing a bible study tonight i mean those are good examples but just always busy 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 and you end up going on monday into work stressed out because you feel like your weekend was so full i just wanted to rest well i'm trying to encourage you to rest we should be more rested more restored and more steady than the rest of the world because we know the way to get there but we don't take advantage of it. I wonder if Christians became like the calm and steady presence in a life of chaos right now, if it wouldn't start turning the tables, it wouldn't start pulling the world into church to find out what's making you different. People will want to have what you have, which isn't you, it's Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. And it grows, you know. It grows like a mustard seed into a great field of faith. It grows like leaven in your families and in your friends where you, it just introduces conversations you may not want to have, but just slight friendly conversations, though, too. It tells people that there's something that you put at the top of your priority list for God. And so I want to encourage you, of course, as a pastor, to come to church on Sundays and be there. Be here in person or wherever you go to church. It doesn't matter. Just go to church somewhere in person. Or if it's not safe for you to do that, be online. 
make that a priority to see that on Sunday when our technology works. <laughs> when it doesn't, you can go to YouTube or Facebook later, or uh, we podcast our sermons now. You can search your podcast app for FCCPH for First Christian Church, Pleasant Hill. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities. There's no excuses other than not wanting to. And if you are online, I beg you to just hit like, to just drop a comment if you want. I don't even care about that, though. I just want to know you were here. There's so many people that I struggle to stay connected with because I'm not seeing their presence at all on, online. And so I'm, and there's no way to tell on Facebook unless you click like or hit or make a comment. So please, please do that. But I do have a challenge for you as we close today. And here's my challenge. To remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's the memory verse I'd love for you to memorize out of Exodus 8.8. 8. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now the rest of that is, for six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter. I had an interaction with my son this morning on text, and it was great. And I just told him, hey, I, uh, I love you. I hope your day is really blessed. I... Uh, I miss your strength next to me in church, but I understand your journey right now. Just little stuff like that. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy is a, is a verse I'd really strongly uh, recommend you memorize, especially on Sundays. Heck, that's one way you could spend today a little holy moment is by memorizing that verse. And then maybe around the table with your spouse, with your roommate, with your friends, with your family, I don't know, with your Bible study group, you can ask the question, you know, do we as a family, as a group, whatever context it is, do we take a regular Sabbath that fuels the rest of our week? Do you take a regular Sabbath today that's going to fuel you when you go back to the grind tomorrow? Whatever grind that is. And if not... How will you prepare for that? What will you add? What will you eliminate to move further towards a weekly Sabbath of rest and holiness? It's a big challenge. Like, I'm, I'm challenged to think about next Sunday, you know, to make some changes in my life. I don't feel like I have space to make those changes. But I know God's calling me to make those changes, and so I'm going to try and rise to that occasion. And I encourage you to do the same along with me. So how will you be more prepared next Sunday? And how will you be changing your life and the lives of your children that are watching and friends and family towards a more restful day of restoration? Let me pray for us real quick and I'll invite our communion speaker to come up. Father God, I just thank you for this day. You knew it'd be a lot of work. It was a lot of work for you right there at Genesis 2, 2, and 3 that you talked about. You, you created everything in six days, and on the seventh day, even you had to rest. But this world is frantic. There's so much to do. But maybe, no, certainly, if we take... Saturday evening and prepare for a day of restoration and rest. Maybe the Sabbath will even bleed over into that day as we know we are preparing for the holiest day of the week. 
But on this day, today, and Sundays into the future, on our whatever day we celebrate as a Sabbath, teach us to encounter you. Prod us with your Holy Spirit. And encourage us as we find rest and restoration in you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. as a culture we're not very good at that so <laughs> and i'm guilty too um this week as, as scott pastor scott mentioned we've been reading you know finishing our reading through the new testament and that and <clears throat> so this week we started um reading in galatians and that and that and it was just a, the opening verses in galatians really you know caught my eye this morning as i was thinking about communion thinking about um you know the sacrifice that our lord jesus made for us in that and so I want to just share real quick the a couple of verses out of the very beginning as Paul opens his letter to the church in Galatia in that and think about how that applies for us um, in communion in that and so here in, in in Galatians 1 you know he's doing a greeting to the church in Galatia and he says grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ and he says Jesus who saved himself you know, who gave himself for our sins that we he might deliver us out of this present evil age according to the will of the God of our Father. And as I read that, I just it, it rang so true that we do live in a in a present evil age and that. But there's hope. Jesus gives us incredible hope that he will deliver us. He will give us hope in the midst of this present evil age. And as we take communion this morning, it's a reminder that we do have hope, that we do have deliverance. Um, we're not left just to deal with it ourselves, but we get to that opportunity to partake and remember that Jesus overcame this present evil world. And that it's, I want you to think about that today. Um, are you living in that hope, in that remembrance of what Jesus did that provides us hope and deliverance, or do we get overwhelmed by what this world has? In that. And it's easy to get overwhelmed. I have those moments myself. Um, this morning, though, as we take communion, let's focus on the hope that Jesus gives us. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll share our elements together. And if you're online, if you could have your elements ready at home as well. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the hope that you've given us. It's not hope that we have in and of ourselves, but it's hope because your son Jesus went to the cross, that he was willing to suffer and, and pay the ultimate price of his life so that we could be children of God, that we could be delivered from sin and from this evil world, Father. So thank you as we celebrate your communion this morning. Help us to remember the hope that you bring to each of us. And may that be our experience this morning and this week as we share together. In Jesus' name. So everybody have our communion we'll share in our elements now um, and and so on the morning or on that evening that Jesus was betrayed he was with his disciples and he took bread 
and he shared it among his disciples. And he said, take and eat of this bread. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup of the, of the juice of wine and he shared it among his disciples. And he said, drink of this, drink. This is my blood, which is poured out for you, the new covenant in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you drink, eat this bread and drink this juice, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again. Amen. Thank you for that, Barry. Try to make it not squeak. Um, huge praise. We have placed our second trailer for our homeless program after three months of trying to purchase a good one inside of our budget. Um, we've stretched ourselves a little bit, so uh, anyone still wanting to um, uh, donate uh, towards that and the repairs and household goods associated with it, please um, feel free to uh, uh, donate that. We have a box back there. You can reach out to um, uh, any of the elders or Pastor Scott, um, um, you know, with any donation requests. Um, and please be praying. We have both Kyle Giffen and Joey Swan are not feeling well. Um, and could use your prayers. Um, and the Heasels and the Learys are on vacation, and so safe travels to them. Um, if you have something specific that you'd like to have um, prayed for, um, Scott, Barry, and John are all um, uh, great men of prayer and would love to hear what, um, what your needs are um, for friends, family, um, whatever the situation is yourself. Um, Sermon 2.0 is on Wednesday nights, the Bible study led by um, Elder Barry um, Swan. Elder Barry, I'm getting stuck in Kyle's world here. Um, and you can request a Zoom link for that. Um, uh, it's also on our, our website, um, or Barry will send it over to you. Uh, Jamie Davis, thank you, Jamie, is building a birth through pre-K ministry um, here at church. And um, first... Um, uh, and if you'd like to be on that team um, or have uh, uh, questions, we want some more information, please uh, reach out to um, Jamie or Pastor Scott. Um, uh, you can also just volunteer to hold babies. Um, a Sunday a month would be great. Um, again, for anyone online, as Pastor Scott said, uh, please hit like, um, leave a comment, or share across your social media. So um, we have kingdom building going on um, remotely. Um, and I'll close this in prayer. Father God, thank you for your word, for your encouragement, for giving us a day um, that you took yourself to find peace um, and, and restore our souls um, as you've promised. Um, just pray that we uh, look to that and, and are encouraged this week as we um, seek to rest in you maybe next Sunday. Um, thank you for your blessings and um, thank you all for worshiping uh, with us this morning. Um, in Jesus' name, amen.